Welcome to Farmer Talk Radio. I'm Valerie Bowling. My guest today is Dr. Ben Liu, who is the founder and CEO of TrialSpark. I enjoy checking in with Ben, as he always has his eyes and ears to the ground of drug development. And as an entrepreneur scientist, Ben has interesting views to solving bottlenecks that get in the way of advancing medicine development. In particular, Ben and I will talk about possible R&D models for faster, cheaper clinical trials. So, Ben, welcome. So great to be here. Ben, I wanted to begin with what's happening at TrialSpark since we last spoke. Before doing so, do you mind catching our listeners up on what TrialSpark does and what do you guys aim to solve? Sure, yeah. So TrialSpark's a technology company that runs end-to-end clinical trials, almost as an alternative to a traditional uh, CRO. And the way that we're different is corridor model is we find where the patients are, uh, the doctors that see those patients, and we create an FDA-compliant trial site embedded in that doctor's practice. And that crucially allows us to reach those 99% of patients and doctors that the industry has traditionally struggled to reach. And then as a tech company, we built end-to-end platforms across the entire lifecycle of a trial. So all our trial sites operate the same way. Uh, we also give a research coordinator to each of these doctors that we partner with. And kind of the idea is if all our trial sites operate the same way, a lot of those costly post hoc kind of corrections that oftentimes CROs have to do don't really need to exist in that model. So, Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Later on in our conversation, I want to talk about bringing trials to where the patients are. So what's been happening since we last spoke? Catch us up. You guys have been moving and grooving. I'd I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, definitely. So since we last spoke, uh, a lot of growth across the company. Um, We are now in the D.C. and Chicago markets as well, as well as uh, in addition to kind of our New York City market. We're working with a number of kind of both large pharma partners and biotechs. So Pfizer, uh, AstraZeneca, Novartis, a few other kind of groups, a lot who will be um, at your conference. and a number of kind of biotech companies. And one uh, program that we're pretty excited about supporting is also kind of a digital therapeutics companies that need to run trials, but right. might struggle to run them in the current options they have. And so one program we're pretty excited about is actually a VR digital therapeutics company that's running a trial with VR plus antidepressant versus antidepressant. And so as we think about drug developments um, and clinical trials, we're seeing not only for your biologics and small molecules, but also different types of therapeutics that are coming uh, down the transom. Oh, that's really impressive, Ben. Thank you for sharing that with me. How do you do it? Like, how are you guys able to bring trials to patients? Like, can you tell me more about that? Yeah, so as you know, Ben, and anyone, the motivation for doing that is because right now, you know, a lot of doctors who are interested in participating in research uh, struggle to have the resources or the know-how to do so, and oh, patients yeah. have to travel a pretty far distance to participate if they don't, yes. you know, aren't born near a yes. yeah, big <laughs> academic institution. And so our model is we try to use a lot of data to find where the patients are. Um, a lot of these are de-identified data sets that include billing diagnosis codes, um, EHR-level data. And crucially, a lot of these data points are are traceable to a physician identifier or an NPI number. And what we kind of do is a sponsor gives us a protocol with the eligibility criteria. We find where the patients that would fit that criteria using these data sets, the doctors that see those patients, and then we go out and we have a conversation with the doctor and kind of help them understand some of the benefits of participating in the trials, some of the responsibilities, and our role in helping to make that process a lot easier. And then after they're interested, we go ahead and we kind of create a trial site with them uh, as, as kind of a partnership. And 
we provide the coordinator, we provide recruitment support, we provide quality support, business development, sales, and they get to do what they do best, which is oversee the clinical work, be the investigator for the study, and try to make it very easy for doctors and patients to be able to participate uh, with their doctor and, and for a doctor to, to kind of participate without a lot of the admin burden. Yeah, and that's the biggest reason why they are not able to participate. And I talk to so many doctors who tell me that they would love to participate more in research, totally. but it's, it's virtually impossible. Yeah. So what you guys are doing is to try to really make that a, a, a complete reality. Yeah, and it allows them. doctors to connect with why they got into medicine in the first place. Right. I'm sure like in, in our mutual conversations, like doctors really want to offer the newest treatment options um, and be able to offer them, um, even if they're in private practice. Um, there um, is a lot of kind of like really uh, interest in becoming an investigator. You know, most doctors have done research, you know, when they were uh, uh, through their medical training. So, so we found that to be a very kind of um, a mutually beneficial, but also very exciting kind of thing that doctors can get back involved in. Um, ben, I don't know if I shared with you, but um, at DFARM this year, we're actually featuring a design director from Starbucks why would we have somebody from Starbucks at a clinical trials innovation conference? But what we found out was that they had gone through an entire process to bring coffee to wherever their customers awesome. are. Yeah. And so we wanted to learn, well, how did you do that? What were the bottlenecks you guys had? And what can we learn from that? Because for pharma, you know, our big theme is how can we bring trials to where the patients are. Totally. Um, and so um, you're, you're helping, what you guys are doing is really helping support this theme because it is very important uh, for patients and, and physicians. Um, so I, I'd love to move our discussion over to um, you know, a, a major concern out there in the industry, which is to say that so much investment is in cell therapy and gene therapy, immuno-oncology, which is great. And we love that, except that it is squeezing R&D budgets. And I am worried about other really important areas getting neglected. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, what are you hearing on the street or what are you reading on this? Yeah, Valerie, I, I think what, what you've just characterizes some of the things that, that we're exactly hearing, um, that um, one of the great things about this explosion of uh, new technologies and this revolution happening in drug discovery is that we're creating newer therapies were being more productive, uh, but R&D budgets are still capped. And so as you mm -hmm. kind of mentioned, a lot of that budget is going to cancer, IO, gene therapy, cell therapies. Mm -hmm. And you have a lot of like really um, uh, uh, diseases that still have a lot of unmet need, uh, rheumatology, ophthalmology, dermatology, respiratory, that budgets are getting squeezed. Mm -hmm. CNS. And so CNS mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and areas that CNS example where you've seen kind of some some failures, um, unfortunately, and it's really kind of making it harder to develop and test as many of the drugs that are being discovered, and that's happening across the industry, you know, in large pharma, and, and also kind of squeezing then then some of the the opportunities in biotech. And yeah, and I worry about the antibiotics in that whole space. Totally, um, antibiotics, antivirals. I was just chatting yeah. with a researcher whose um, uh, company decided to exit those entire therapeutic I, areas. Mm -hmm. And you kind of see, mm. you know, every uh, quarter uh, an announcement of, you know, these these kind of large pharma companies saying that they're focusing their R&D pipelines and are going to um, one area and, and the other areas are just being uh, subsequently um, uh, reprioritized. And uh, the great thing is there's still opportunities to develop them. And we're seeing a lot of really interesting models where, 
Um, uh, some of those drugs are being outlicensed into separate companies. Um, you have various investors coming in to um, basically um, develop them or help even the pharma company develop them off balance sheet. Um, so you can still push them forward to patients. And we see that as an opportunity set to hopefully then um, actually bring the, the, the treatments to patients. So, mm. With regards to R&D models yeah. uh, to help us um, get to faster, cheaper trials, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, tell, tell us about that. Like, what are you hearing on the street about different, uh, about different models? Yeah, definitely. And, and so I think one, one really top of mind uh, model, as you kind of mentioned, the Starbucks analogy is trying to find um, ways to bring trials to where the patients are and really unlock those patients that traditionally haven't been um, a, a approachable um, or uh, easily to access. And so we're seeing a lot of really interesting models. And, and what we kind of fundamentally believe in as a company is that there's no one type of visit that is the best type of visit. It depends on the trial and it depends on the goals of that visit. Yeah. I mean, some yeah. people may want to have a partial mobile totally. opportunity, yeah. but still have some connection in person Definitely. where somebody else may say, hey, you know, I never want to show up at a site and make this all mobile. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like if you have 10 visits, uh, what we're seeing a, a lot of really great trends in is like interrogate every single visit. And you might have five visits that need to happen traditionally at a site. You may have two visits that can be done remotely. And you might have, um, just to do the math right, three visits to uh, subsequently um, that the patient might want to do at, at his or her uh, home. And what, what we're seeing uh, as a big opportunity set um, is that, crucially, if you're able to standardize how you operate at the site level, there's so much um, uh, activities that can be reimagined at the very expensive post-hoc correction layer. And so, for example, um, if all the trial sites are using the same e-source or they're using the same tech platform, um, and that's really kind of our... Um, uh, belief as a company that we built end-to-end -end software to manage the logistics of the trial at the site level, there's a lot in that CRO layer that doesn't have to be as expensive. You don't have to have the same amount of kind of in-person monitoring if you have the ability to have the sites operate the same way. Mm -hmm. Interim analysis becomes a lot easier because mm -hmm. you can basically run analysis because there's not the post-hoc cleaning when you have 20 sites and they all operate a little bit differently. And so I think that's a big opportunity in R&D is you know, solving, I think, what are two big problems is, one, unlocking patients that haven't been tapped, which can address a lot of the recruitment and time perspectives. And then the second is around, if you deconstruct the activities, a lot are post hoc corrections because of variability at the site level. Right. Yeah. So when you think about the R&D budgets getting squeezed because yeah. um, certain areas are, are getting uh, more attention than others, and then you have these drugs that are sitting on shelves and are not being developed. Yeah. And then you know, I'm hearing some noise about different models to yeah. help those, you know, tucked away in the shelf drugs. Totally. Um, what, what are you hearing? Yeah. So there's, I think, a number of really um, exciting models that have been um, pushed forward by a number of groups. Um, and I think you, you have some investors coming in. So you have groups like Bain Capital mm -hmm. that, as we talked about CNS and Pfizer had, um, uh, you know, kind of a, a reprioritization where CNS was no longer maybe something they um, wanted to internally pursue, but obviously still excited ab about a lot of uh, opportunities there. And so they partnered with Bain to create a number of uh, kind of joint ventures where they can develop these drugs. Um, you have groups like Bridge Bio who are doing this on the kind of gene uh, or kind of 
more rare disease, very genetic linked kind of uh, opportunity set. And I think what a lot of these models share is that because R&D budgets are fixed, but these drugs are still um, like value accretive to not only patients, but also the companies that discovered the drugs, uh, finding creative ways to develop them without Mm -hmm. using Mm -hmm. uh, kind of balance sheet budget Mm -hmm. R&D spend. And so typically what this looks like is the pharma company will find a partner to out-license the drug to. Uh, Either it could be a joint venture or an out-licensing type of model. And then a new company will be created that will help to house the asset, raise capital from various investors, and then run the trial to ultimately bring it to to patients. And what we're excited about um, uh, this approach is that if you can marry the ability to acquire these drugs um, and subsequently bring them to patients, but you use a cheaper, faster trial model, this is an opportunity for um, uh, the kind of revolution of clinical trials to actually bring treatments that otherwise wouldn't be brought you run a right. trial for half the cost, you enable twice as right. many drugs for the same the same time and cost. Right, so, right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, it, it sounds like a real opportunity. And, um, and I'm glad that there's a focus and some investment in that. Yeah. So tell me about you and the team. Um, any new goals you guys are aiming for? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, our, our overreaching goal is always to, you know, every year find a way to run trials 50% faster from where we are today. Okay. Um, it's, it's pretty ambitious, but, you know, time in our industry is so important because as you know, Ben, anyone, it's a 20-year patent life as soon as you develop the drug. And so every single month you save, it's not only getting the drug um, faster to a patient, which I think is the most important part, but as we talked about kind of how people make R&D, ROI decisions, it's a one month worth of sales that you're rescuing. And so that helps to allow drugs to maybe rank higher on, on the list. And then always looking for, for ways to decrease costs. So for us, you know, it's finding ways to begin to automate more and more of what traditionally is done, maybe manually, that, that also puts things at risk for inconsistency. So for example, we um, uh, created a temperature monitoring system where Every single um, fridge is uh, an IoT type of device that has temperature probes that are uploaded to, to the cloud. And then we basically can track if any of our IP and, and the temperature probes are tracking in the wrong direction. And before we have a temperature excursion, we actually get an alert from PagerDuty that sends it to our central team to basically check and make sure that the temperature is there. And, and that replaces the need of maybe a manual kind of activity where you check kind of temperatures every X number of hours, right, which right. doesn't actually capture the 24-7 kind of life cycle. And so those are kind of the incremental improvements that we look uh, for, um, you know, that's, year by year, week by week. So It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And I know I love the goal uh, you yeah. know, of bringing this, the cost down by... Fifty uh, percent, um, yeah. because you know we all are reading how these costs are going sky high, and it just never seems to come down in the other way. And so yeah. we have no choice. We're, we, sure. you know, we're gonna we're gonna be in a lot of trouble if we don't yeah. try to approach the way we're doing clinical research, totally. uh, shaking it up, and figuring out how to bring the time down, how to bring the cost down. And yeah. so, thank you for for your contribution in that. I have to ask you, as an entrepreneur scientist, I love to ask you know a, a question that you know, I don't typically plan for. And so here it is. So you studied at Yale. You studied at Cambridge University uh, or University of Oxford, University of Cambridge. Um, And, you know, wow, you know, it doesn't get really better than that, uh, Ben. So what did you not learn? You know, when you're building a company and you encounter problems, 
Um, and despite going to these amazing universities, what was you know what have you had to learn yourself in in building a company? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't think any education um, uh, trains you to um, uh, uh, kind of start a company. Uh, there are so many things that happen day to day that um, uh, it's all about kind of um, how do you uh, structure kind of a path when there's so much uncertainty. Uh, there are actually some things, I think, from the educational experience that has been helpful. You know, I think when I was an undergrad, read and studied a lot of humanities. And when you think about, like, how do you build a great culture? Like, what motivates people? Like, those are kind of themes that I think that training has been um, so um, accretive to how I think about um, um, company building and motivations. Um, uh, one one thing that, that kind of jumps top of mind is... Some of um, uh, my experience as a computational biologist was actually extremely helpful in dealing with uncertainty. Uh, when, when I was doing my computational biology degree, um, the, the industry was still, uh, or the discipline was still very nascent. And so we'd get these very unstructured problems where, you know, it would be solve this and very limited instructions. So you kind of had to figure out a path with little instructions to get there, which is very similar to starting a company. You know, you're trying to solve this goal, but no one really knows the path to get there. So you're kind of iterating, testing a lot of different things. And then specifically in computational biology, a lot of the, the um, software that was being developed was still very buggy. And so it was incumbent from us when they said, try to use this package you know, in R. And it's some grad student who had just uploaded it in respect to one of their papers that they had written. And it's up to you to kind of figure out how to you know, kind of alter, like, like help to. So no instruction book for you. Totally, yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is <laughs> no ins- You you just had to figure it out. Totally, and that's that's the part. You know, yeah. I think it's yeah. not about a grade. Ultimately, uh, it is can you solve this problem? Right. And that kind of responsibility is ultimately on on you on the team. And, and that's been something that's been really So hence why you had the, um, I guess it's confidence or you weren't worried about, well, let's build a company around solving some really hard bottlenecks in, in drug development. Sure. Got learning it. rate. That's the kind of big part is that you're kind of thrown in the fire and then you kind of have to, and, and that's what we kind of look for team members is um, people who can maximize their learning rate because when when the world is shifting very quickly, I think it's the, those that can kind of adapt uh, are the right. ones that are going to be successful. Yeah. So. so it's not so much what the problem is. It's how we're going to go about solving it. Totally. Right. So, Ben, thank you so much. And yeah. I, I look forward to seeing you at D-Farm um, this coming September. And um, it's just been a real pleasure to have you this morning. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me and looking forward to the conference. Thank you. Thanks so much.